You're listening to The Dirty with Paula Haas, your podcast for real talk on self-care and mental wellness. I've gone from struggling with chronic depression that I thought I would never get out of to running a successful skincare brand and making it my life's mission to advocate for mental health, specifically for women just like us. This is our time to hang out, share some really hard conversations on how to actually enjoy our lives, but also have some serious laughs. Let's get into it. If you know me, I talk to the camera all the time on Instagram reels and Instagram stories. We are pivoting in 2024. We are moving into YouTube. We are moving into podcasting. So this is a completely new way of speaking to my community. So I'm going to share with you my four daily non-negotiable habits for mental health in 2024. Okay. If you have followed along my 2023, you know that I am a stickler for my daily habits. Now we're not talking about resolutions because a resolution is like one thing. And if you don't do it, you feel like a complete failure. So we're going to just trash the concept of a resolution. We're not even going to do it because a resolution, like for me, if I mess up a little bit, I feel like a complete failure. So I know resolutions are not for me. So instead I make goals which we're going to talk about, but I try and have habits that I commit to sticking to. And I know that my habits are not going to be perfect every single day, but the goal of the habits is not to perfect them. The goal of the habits is to make myself better through doing them. So the the habit itself is not the goal. The feeling, the transformation is the goal at the end. So I promise you that if you do these four habits every single day, or at least try to, remember we're trying progress, not perfection. If you try and do these four habits every single day and land like 70 to 80% on an average day, your life is going to be completely transformed from the beginning of 2024 to the end of 2024. Now, these are habits that I have learned over 2023. I'm committing to pursuing them in 2024. So let's get started. First up, we are prioritizing sleep. If you know me in real life, you know that I am leaving the majority of events by eight o'clock, if not nine o'clock at the latest. My friends literally make fun of me for this. Like they'll have an event and they will know that they need to like have the bulk of the event prior to the eight o'clock or nine o'clock hour, nine o'clock at the the latest, latest, because I prioritize my sleep. So I'm going to tell you like my average routine for like an at-home night. And I'm going to share kind of what happens with a not at home night. So with an at home night, we're having dinner around six at the latest 630. This is ideal, right? This is ideal. We're having dinner at six, maybe 630. We're cleaning up afterwards from around seven to eight. And at eight o'clock, I have an alarm set. I take medication for my migraine, for chronic migraine that makes me a little bit sleepy at night. So at eight o'clock, I take that medication. It's kind of like a fail safe because it's going to make me sleepy. So I'm going to have to go to sleep at like a certain, like within about two hours from taking that medication. So do not recommend having chronic migraines, but it's kind of like a work smarter, not harder, which I'm very committed to like hack to actually getting my sleep. So eight o'clock, I take my meds. We put the girls to sleep. The house is in decent order. I used to like the house had to be in perfect order. I have let go a lot of that in 2023. And I think the trigger for that was when Well, in 2022, when Matt went to chaplaincy school in South Carolina for four months, and then this year he was gone for a lot of one week trainings. He was gone for a long one month training. Um, And then he's deploying next year. 
with it just being me for about like half of the year last year and maybe like a little less than half the year this year, I've had to really lower my expectations on the house, but I've also have to enroll my children in as well. They have a pretty like robust chore list. Anyway, I digress. At eight o'clock, the girls are getting in the shower. They are getting ready. Usually Rowan goes first. She goes to sleep first. And then Junie goes while Junie is showering. I'm tucking in Rowan and then I'm tucking in Juniper. And then I am hopping directly in the shower with habits. Um, you want to do something called habit stacking, which is basically like if you do thing A, you know that B, C, and D need to follow. So I take my medicine. My alarm goes off. I take my medicine. The girls get ready for bed. Once the girls are in bed, then I jump in the shower. And then after the shower, like there's no more wandering around the house. I'm in bed reading a book. The book plus the medicine makes me very sleepy. And then lights out is usually around 10. If I'm feeling very sleepy, it's at 9.30. If I'm not feeling very sleepy, it's 10.30. And the, the, the thing that I try not to do that I do get that I'm still working through is the doom scrolling late at night, especially if Matt is gone and especially if I'm lonely. So that is how I get a good night's sleep. So again, like if I'm out with friends, I'm leaving at like eight because that then I'm not getting home to like 8.30, 8.45 to take my medicine. Hopefully whoever was with the girls put them to sleep. But do you see how that like creates a waterfall effect that if I'm not taking my medicine until 8.45, that means that that 10 o'clock sleep time changes to 10.45 and that decreases the quality of my sleep and I'm not getting enough sleep. So in the mornings, ideally my wake up time is five o'clock. I try not to snooze. Let me let me rephrase that. I want to not snooze. I do snooze a lot. Ideally, I that alarm goes off and I try instead of getting up immediately and and like pressing the snooze button, I do put my phone across the room so I have to physically get up. Where I get myself is if I grab it and I bring it back to bed and I press the snooze button because then I'm just snoozing and like bartering with myself on how I can how long I can sleep. If I actually let that alarm keep going off while I'm laying in bed thinking, gosh, this alarm is so flipping annoying. Literally this morning, Matt's like, are you going to turn off your alarm after about five minutes? <laughs> then I'm decently awake and I'm up enough to have the logic that I'm like, okay, I'm turning off this alarm and I'm not going back to bed. I am now going into the bathroom. So th these habits are a lot about tricking yourself into doing the next right thing. That makes sense. <laughs> So that's my, how I get enough sleep. So, and, and honestly, like the, I looked it up prior to filming this, the average person gets about six hours of sleep, which is not enough. It is a absolute recipe for chronic sleep deprivation. And I don't do well without sleep. I had a huge trigger about 12, yeah, 12 and a half years ago when Matt was at state police Academy, I had a major depressive episode, I had awful insomnia, I was sleeping like one to, I don't want to exaggerate, like maybe two to three hours a night, but it was tossing and turning, having a panic attack because I wasn't able to sleep. And I literally ended up in an inpatient psychiatric facility because I was so depressed, but also so sleep deprived. Um, so sleep is a major, major priority for me. And even if it's not like going to get to that for you, it should be a huge priority for you as well. My next non-negotiable daily habit for 2024 
is daily mindfulness practice. Now I have done what seems like it all, journaling, Bible reading, devotionals, listening to the Bible, <laughs> um, meditation, cold therapy, sauna. There are so many ways and I honestly, I get bored. So I change them a lot. So I'm going to tell you what I'm doing now and what works for me, but there are so many different ways to do it. And I'll tell you a few of the things that like I've done in the past. So now when I come downstairs after my alarm goes off at five, well, I, when my alarm goes off at five, I will usually like go into my bedroom. I, I'm sorry, into my bathroom. I will brush my teeth. Um, I put on Richard, which is like this giant robe that I have and he's really nice and cozy. So it almost feels like wearing a weighted blanket around the house. We'll go downstairs. I will make a coffee and I'll sit down. I have a planner that I have. It's called the passion planner. I'll put a link in the description for you guys. And I go into that and I map out like my schedule for the day. And then I map out what I'm eating for the day. I map out my three personal priorities. I map out my three work priorities. And then I go in and very simply, I just write three things that I'm grateful for, three people that I'm praying for, or three situations that I'm praying for. If there's more that comes to mind, I'll write it out. Sometimes I'll journal a little bit, but that is my time to unpack the chaos in my brain that could overwhelm me. Because if I were just to, instead of getting up at five, get up at six, at the same exact time as my kids' alarms go off, and they're already asking me questions. They need things. They need breakfast. They need help with something. They can't find something. So I'm getting frustrated. Do you see how like I have no margin for my brain to relax? I have no margin to breathe and think, okay, where is my day going? This journaling practice allows me that margin. And then at then I do go into, I'm doing a daily devotional um, with the Daily Grace Co. So I'll link them as well in the description. The Daily Grace Co. I'm actually still on the one from Christmas. It is fine. It's about joy in the seasons, which is actually incredibly relevant, even if we're not still in the Christmas season with Matt's deployment coming up. It's all about finding joy throughout the Bible, like moments of joy and what the Bible, how the Bible points to joy and making that relevant in the season that you're in. So as we can see, that is probably very relevant. So right now, journaling, which includes gratitude, prayer, planning out my day, and then a devotional is what works for me. I have also done meditation. I do still do it sometimes. I'm just, it's just not in my current wheel well. It probably will be in the future, but meditation has helped me a lot in the past with anxiety, with racing thoughts. I've also used an acupressure mat while meditating in the past, which is like this mat with little spikes on it. It's kind of awesome. Um, I will put a link to that as well. I really like it. I'm just not using it these days and that's fine. So if you remember at the beginning of this video, I said, first of all, this has changed for me over the years. But then also, it it does not have to be perfect all the time. So again, try and hit that like 70 to 80. And I'm going to tell you in just a few minutes how to like track all of this, which is going to make it even easier. So again, daily mindfulness, no matter what it is or how it looks for you, it can be journaling, it could be writing gratitude lists, it could be meditation, it could be prayer, whatever that looks like for you, it, it's that moment of margin where you are not thinking about the other things in your day, you are focusing just on you and God, you and that moment, you and bettering yourself 
and it just gives you a buffer for your day so that your day doesn't feel so chaotic. And I do recommend doing this as early as possible because we know what could happen, right? You are like, I'm going to meditate when I get the, when I, once I drop off the kids at school. So you get up, you're rushing, there's chaos. Your, your stress level is already increasing. You drop off the kids at school. You come home, the dog puked on the rug. Now you got to clean up the puke. Now you have a doctor's appointment at nine o'clock. You, you have to rush to the doctor's appointment. You see what happens. Like you never do it. You're just not going to get it done, which is why I really prioritize the mindfulness for first thing in the morning. This podcast episode is sponsored by Clean and Dirty Natural Skincare. Are you tired of skincare products that promise the moon but deliver so little? At Clean and Dirty, we craft our skincare line with two things in mind, purity and effectiveness. Our hero product, the Lavender Coffee Eye Cream, is a perfect example. Blending soothing lavender with energizing coffee oil, it's designed to rejuvenate and brighten your delicate eye area. Say goodbye to dark circles and hello to radiant skin. And the best part? Our products are formulated without sulfates, parabens, or phthalates, ensuring they're cruelty-free and kind to your skin. Dive into the world of Clean and Dirty today. Visit us at cleananddirty.com. That's C-L-N-A-N-D-D-R-T-Y.com and embrace the beauty of natural, effective skincare. Trust us, your skin will thank you. Okay, next up in my four non-negotiable daily habits for mental health in 2024, this one is probably, it's I've actually never heard it on any other list, so I do think it's kind of unique to me, is reverse engineering planning. Just stick with me on this. What this means in the end is you have a goal and how you're going to get to that goal. So this is how I think of it. I will set my goals for 2024. So think of this as like an alternative to resolutions. So my goals for 2024 could be we save $36,000. So that could be one of them. We remodel our bathroom. It could also be business goals, like the amount of money that we make at Clean and Dirty. Let's take those into consideration. If those are our annual goals, then I break it up into monthly goals. So if we're just talking about saving $36,000, what is that per month? That's $3,000 per month. Do you see where I'm getting with this? And I actually have ways that I track this. Um, you can use the Passion Planner, which once again, I will link down in the notes. You can also use, I really like the digital version of Grace Beverly's Productivity Method, which I will also link to you. It's it's what I use most now, and she does have this trickle effect, trickle down effect of reverse engineering planning in it. But then if I know that every single month I need to save $3,000, so I have like a template for annual goals, I have a template for monthly goals, I have a template for weekly goals, and then I have a template for daily goals. So if I know I need to save $3,000 a month, I know then that I need to, at every pay period, save $1,500. Do you see where I'm getting with this? And I know that in order to save that amount of money, I need to have a budget because if I don't have a budget, I don't know where my money's going. So in order to save that, then I need to be committed to doing a budget, which trickles into the daily of every single day I am checking in on my budget. And that's how you brush your goals for the end of the year. So this is, I literally have a massive list of all of my goals for 2024, and then I funnel them down. Every single morning, I look at the week's goals and see what needs to be done in my day in order to fulfill the week's goals. Every Monday, 
I look at the month's goals to see what needs to happen in that week in order to fulfill the month's goals. And every beginning of the month, I look at the annual to see what needs to be fulfilled in that month to fulfill the annual goals. Is this making sense? Like, so it's kind of, again, it's very similar to habit stacking, which I was talking about, but what it does is it dummy proofs your system and it offloads stuff from inside of here onto paper or onto something digital so that you're looking at it every single day. You have a game plan of what you need to do in order to crush that week, crush that month and crush that year. And again, if you are only hitting that 70, 80% of the time, that's okay because we're never going to have it perfect. It's never going to be 100%. But personally, I would much rather hit 70% of my annual goals than like 20% by just like winging it and making a vision board in January and then just hoping that vision board comes true. In summary, the reverse engineering planning, it kind of always makes me think of the saying, fail to plan, plan to fail. If you are not planning, and, and I understand that I'm a type A and I've got all kinds of planning methods. There are all kinds of ways to do it. And let me know if you'd like me to like show you how I do my actual planning in an upcoming video, put that in the comments. And if you want me to, I can do that. But there are so many different ways to do it. But just checking in daily on your plan, what you will do today to better yourself towards your other goals, your other bigger goals is going to make a huge difference. And I truly think that is self-care. Like we can talk all we want about self-care being like face masks and bubble baths. And like, yes, we sell face masks and we sell face serums at Clean and Dirty. And that is, I do believe that like that is a huge part of self-care and that improves your mental health care. But the reverse is also true. Mental health care improve taking care of your mental health improves your self-care that makes you know what i'm saying next up on my four non-negotiable daily habits for mental health in 2024 is cultivating positive relationships again i have not heard this one on like anybody's list but i this has been an absolute game changer in my life so to tell you a story in 2017 when juniper was three and Rowan was not even a year old. She was maybe nine months. Matt was working for the state police. We were living um, in Rockland, Massachusetts. And state police here in Massachusetts, the majority of them have like a four days on, two days off. So if they work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they will be off Friday, Saturday. And then they're going to have to work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They'll be off Thursday, Friday. You get it. So it's, it's cycling. And there is never any guarantee that you're going to get that he's going to get holidays off until they get in a unit or something like that so he was early in his career which means he was definitely working holidays he has no seniority for getting any of them off and it was the fourth of july now i we didn't have any family here at that time um my parents hadn't moved to massachusetts his parents had not moved to massachusetts so i admit like a lot has changed since them in terms since then in terms of our family structure but i also didn't have any friends like I had I worked for Lululemon at the time I had like work friends but those people all had their own friends as well like they had their real friends that they've had for a long time that they had like these strong meaningful relationships with I was more just kind of like passing ships with these work friends and some of us connected uh, was also well no I was gonna say I was active in AA at that time because I had gotten sober when we moved to Massachusetts but I wasn't because I remember that 
once I had Junie and definitely after I had Rowan, I'd stopped going to AA as much because it was just like, it was hard to get childcare at night, especially with Matt's schedule. And then I just felt like it was back when everyone was still smoking and like people were cursing. So I was going to like bring my kids to AA with me. It was just, it wasn't fitting my schedule. So it was 4th of July and I reached out to a bunch of people and said, does anyone want to go to the 4th of July? It was the Hingham 4th of July parade. And no one could make it. Like everybody had plans with their families or friends and no one like invited me to be part of those plans. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to take two kids, a nine month old and a three year old to a giant parade. It's going to be awesome. It was like 95 degrees. We got there late. We were stuck in the sun. It was loud. I was sweating. My kids were freaking out. They wanted to go home. Like I remember Junie was having a full tantrum and we couldn't leave because the parades around us, like they block off all the streets. So it's impossible to leave like while it's happening. And I just remember just being so frustrated. We came home. I was crying. I was so upset. And I remember just saying like, God, give me friends, like give me people in my life that I can rely on. And this was like, I just felt like I was just floating in the ocean with no tether, especially with Matt's crazy schedule. And this was about the time that we were looking to move down to where we are now in like Southern Plymouth County. And we were looking for a church. It wasn't like a huge priority for me, but like on Sundays when Matt was working, I would go check out some churches to see, you know, I wanted that community. Finally, we ended up um, at the church that we belong to now that we've been at for about seven years and they're a non-denominational church and I remember I got there and everyone was so nice everyone was so friendly they were so loving and by the end of just going to like two services I had a bunch of moms with kids my age approach me and let me know about life groups which are also called like small groups or bible studies that I could attend they exchanged numbers with me they became friends with me on Facebook immediately they invited me to play dates and that's when I started getting plugged in with our church family so we've been there for about seven years and when I say that like my roots in this church and amongst those group of women are so deep it's amazing like they are And I don't say this like I would, you know, when I was 16, like, you're like a sister to me. These women are like sisters to me. I laugh because I I don't have sisters, but I imagine like you have certain sisters that like annoy you in certain ways. And they like other sisters have like gifts in other ways. (laughs) And you call on certain sisters for certain things and other certain things. And that's kind of how we are. And I even joke about it. Like, we know that one of our friends has the gift of hospitality. Like she's amazing at it. And we have another friend that is has the gift of connecting people to other people. And she is amazing at it. And we just know and we like plop those people into the roles when they are needed. And and these women have been there for me through so much, through amazing times, through incredibly challenging times. And I say it to them all the time, like we would not be committing to Matt's deployment and his career as a chaplain for the army if it was not for them. And and Matt has their spouses as his brothers, his brothers in Christ that he plugs into. And I even said, I said to three of them the other day after church, three of the guys, I just gave them big hugs. I'm like, I feel like you guys are like brothers to me. Like, and again, I don't mean that in the like silly, like 19 year old way, like, oh, you're like a brother to me. I feel like they are brothers. Like they will come fix stuff in my house. They will come like 
help out when Matt's gone. They are amazing and they their families will pray for us. And I, my encouragement for you, I know this is a little bit long-winded in terms of that story, but cultivating these relationships has been one of the most monumental factors of mental, of improving my mental health. Even when I'm in a depressive episode, now I can contact and reach out to my friends and they know over the years how to help me get out of it. So again, it's a daily practice because you're reaching out on a daily basis. This is like one disclaimer I'm going to say about personal relationships and their relationships to self-care. Yes, they can be through text. Yes, they can be through group chats. Yes, they can be through like a Facebook group chat. But as much as possible, they do have to be in person or one-on-one. So hanging out with people in person, giving them a phone call to talk about your feelings. Like the, the digital ways of connecting with people are good, but I see them as supplement supplementary <laughs> compared to the actual relationships and doing life with people. What helps bind our group together is the fact that every single Sunday, we know the majority of us are going to be at church. So we always connect, at least kind of touch base on that Sunday, and we know we're going to be there. And if someone doesn't show up, we're also holding them accountable. Hey, not like being angry at them, but like, are you okay? You didn't show up. Oh yeah, my kids had, you know, a game. Oh, okay, cool. See you next Sunday. And then connected to that, there's small groups and life groups. Like I know that my life group that I lead, which is Wives of Heroes for Wives of First Responders and Military Personnel, every Monday, almost every Monday, they're going to be there. So we have that personal in-person accountability for each other. So bringing it back to how that is a daily practice of self-care in 2024, I encourage you every single day to connect with someone. Maybe, you know, it's not in person. Maybe it's once a week in person with people. But again, it doesn't have to be, oh, we have to have lunch every single week. It's maybe it's we go to the park with our kids after school on Fridays. We get ice cream with our kids after school on Fridays. And let it fit into the season that you're in in this moment. Don't try and force something like if you've got three kids under three, you're not going out for a girl's night every single Friday night. Like that's not what's happening in your life. Make it fit into the season that you're in. And I guarantee that that is going to greatly increase the quality of your year. I mean, massively blow it out of the park. So those are the four self-care resolutions that I am committing to for my mental health in 2024. Let me know if you want to do anything, whether it is committing to having better sleep, to having a daily mindfulness practice, perhaps it is, I already forgot them, <laughs> reverse engineer, reverse engineering your planning, or maybe it is cultivating meaningful relationships. I think these are very unique. I haven't heard them. Well, I haven't heard the majority of them on other lists. I know they're not easy, but again, I encourage you, write them all down, commit to how you're going to do them, and then every single day, revisit them and see how you can reverse engineer doing them. And I guarantee that even if you hit 70, 80% of this, even up to like 85%, your life in 2024 is going to be so much better than it could have been if you were hitting maybe like 10 or 12 by just like creating some sort of vision board. 
So comment, let me know what you are committing to, or perhaps if none of these are on your vision for 2024, let me know what your new year's resolution is, or perhaps your goal, maybe it's your word of the year, how you are setting a new intention for 2024. I'm incredibly curious. And if you liked this, I would highly encourage you to like, comment, and subscribe. We are going to go deep in 2024 all things self-care. We're going to talk all the nitty gritty topics from mental health to taking care of our skin to taking care of our body and our families and probably like a lot of tangents as well in this channel. If you want to be along for the ride, I would love to have you. I'm just so excited. I'm excited for what 2024 will bring because I have these goals, these tools, these ways to make my entire year better, but also to make every single day better. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being part of my community. Thank you so much for all you've done with us over the years. And thank you for being part of this new chapter. Have an awesome day. And that wraps up another episode of The Dirty with Paula Haas. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me. I hope today's conversation gave you something to think about or maybe even a reason to smile. Don't forget to take a moment for yourself because you do really deserve it. Keep striving, keep laughing, and keep taking care of that beautiful mind of yours. For more real talk, make sure you subscribe and join us next time. Take care of yourself and remember you are not alone in this journey. This is Paula Haas signing off from the dirty. Stay well and see you soon.